This is a main hustle media podcast. Hello, and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O, and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the single simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back listening to Militantly Mixed. Main Hustle Media podcasts are recorded on the ancestral lands of the Chumash, Tongva, Karankwa, and Hohokam people. And I wish to pay my respects to the people of those nations, both past and present. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your sir auntie, Charmaine Fury, and as you can hear from my voice, I'm still pretty sick, although I'm better now than I have been in quite a while. I started to notice that I was sick on the day that I recorded the discussion you're about to hear with my guest, Brittany. Actually, I woke up that morning and I could tell I was sick, and so I had warned her before we hit record. I'm like, I don't sound like myself. I feel the cold coming on, but I want to, you know, have this conversation with you and it's going to be great and blah, blah, blah. We had our discussion. It was wonderful. And then I immediately crashed. And that was the Tuesday before I was planning on airing this episode. And um, of course, that whole week I was so sick. I was in bed the entire week. I never managed to get through an edit. So by the time uh, last Tuesday rolled around when I recorded that very brief message to let y'all know I was too sick to release an episode, I, I, I crashed again that whole next week. I was still in bed. Last Friday, I finally got wise to it and called the doctor. I am now on antibiotics. I was um, looking like I was on the direction towards bronchitis. So I was actually a lot sicker than I was giving myself credit for. I kept saying it was just a cold but because I let it linger so long, that cold was turning far more serious. But in the last four days of being on medication, I feel so much better, although I still have a ways to go. Uh, it's probably going to be another couple weeks until I'm at 100%. Uh, but I'm, I'm so glad to be able to finally share this episode with you because Brittany and I had such a fun discussion. Uh, my guest this week is Brittany Polk Muhammad. She is the creator of Mosaic the Label, a lifestyle brand for mixed race uh, clothing, stickers, accoutrement, all kinds of stuff. I've been wanting to connect with her for a while. And, uh, but I, you know, with my travels in the summer and stuff like that, I was still working through um, scheduling. I didn't get a chance to reach out. And then she had reached out to me through the website. And so it was just perfect timing to get her scheduled and get her on the show. Uh, And it's actually really good timing too, because as of November 18th, Mosaic the label just dropped their latest line in time for the holiday season. It's not a holiday season line. It's in time for the holidays in case you're looking to buy some mixed stuff for your loved ones for the holidays, if that makes sense. Um, I had a blast talking to Brittany. She is so much fun. We had we were just related on so many levels. So I'm really looking forward to sharing this episode with you. I'm also going to be putting a link to the Mosaic the Label website in the show notes, as well as Brittany's TikTok channel for the brand. Uh, hopefully, we can all start subscribing and and bumping up um, Mosaic the Label so that more people know you can be represented as a mixed person on your clothing, your children. Uh, your loved ones, etc. Uh, 
because that is that's what we're here talking about right representation matters and being able to see ourselves uh, in what we wear and what we do is very important because I have been sick for the last couple of weeks I haven't really been able to promote the be your mix ass self t-shirt and like I mentioned last week uh, because of that I was going to leave it going for a little bit longer I usually only kind of leave it up for a month but the last half of that month, I wasn't even able to talk about it on social media outside of what I do on the show. So I'm going to leave it up for another three more weeks. Uh, so if you want to get it in time for the holidays for your loved ones, it'll be available on the militantlymixed.com website on the merch tab. And you can still get a chance to pick that up. I finally got a picture from someone who purchased it. Uh, so shout out to Ivy. Um, they sent me a copy of, or a couple pictures of themselves wearing the t-shirt and I was really happy to see it. I don't know if they're going to post them online, but I know at least I got to see it and that's exactly what I wanted. So if you pick up your shirt, make sure you take your pictures. If you post it online, hashtag it, be your mixed ass self, tag militantly mixed in. I want to see them. Uh, it makes me so happy to see those shirts active and out and about. Um, in addition to that, we do still have the... GoFundMe for Militantly Mix available on the GoFundMe website. You just have to search for Militantly Mix if you want to support our fundraiser that way. But even better than that, in the last month, Patreon has picked back up. And while we have lost a few patrons, we've gained extras and it's leveled things out to where now we are officially at $420 a month on Patreon, which is $80 short of my goal that I've had for the last three years to get to $500 a month on Patreon. I want to shout out our latest patron, Bianca, uh, for joining on a monthly subscription level. Thank you, Bianca. With your sponsorship, we have hit that $420, and um, I couldn't be happier. It'll make things so much easier going forward um, with paying for the monthly bills for the show to have that. Um, extra sponsorship. I'm really excited. Just an example of how getting to $500 a month or more on Patreon could be helpful. I already had this episode that you're about to hear recorded, but I hadn't had a chance to get through my edit because I got sick. And had I been able to have that 500 or more a month on Patreon, I would have been able to hire someone to run through an edit for me so I could at least have kept the show active while I was sick. But because I'm still a one main show, I couldn't even muster having the computer at my bedside and try to do it. I was so weak. And uh, for an illness that has now lasted about three weeks and is looking to be another couple weeks long, I could have potentially been out for five weeks, not on a hiatus, but just legitimately just because I was too sick. And it would be nice to achieve that level of Patreon sponsorship so that I could hire those support people that will make it easier for me to keep this show going when I'm not up to my 100%. So for now, I'm still a one main show. But one day, if we keep, you know, growing the Patreon sponsorship, if eventually the audience grows big enough that I can get external sponsorship for the show, eventually I'll be able to get those people in place that'll help promote the show on social media, help edit or at least do a pass of the edit so that I feel confident releasing an episode, even if I don't feel very well. Uh, that would be really nice. So if you would like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed. 
That link is always in the show notes. You can subscribe as low as a dollar a month to as high as anything you wish. You can also choose to do an annual sponsorship if you'd like, in which you pay all in one chunk. And every dollar goes back into the production and the maintenance of Militantly Mix. And I just absolutely appreciate y'all who have come through to help support the show and keep us going. I see amazing, great future for Militantly Mix, but I know that I can no longer make that future come to fruition on my own. I need a team and I need support of the listeners to be able to get there. So thank you so much to all the Patreon sponsors that are out there right now. I'm pretty wet, wiped out already and I don't have much more to say, but without further ado, please join me in welcoming our latest cousin to the Militantly Mixed family, Brittany Polk Mohammed from Mosaic the Label. And today I am joined by our latest cousin, Brittany Hogue Muhammad, who is the creator and owner of Mosaic the Label. We are going to talk about Brittany and we're going to talk about Mosaic and we're going to get into it. Brittany, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience and let's get into it. Hi, everyone. Um, so I am Brittany Pogue Muhammad, and I am a native New Yorker, which you will, you will hear soon enough. And like Charmaine said, I am the uh, founder and the CEO of Mosaic the Label, and we are a brand that caters specifically to mixed race, mixed identity individuals. Um, so all of our products are uniquely designed um, for our, our unique perspectives, um, and some of them are very overt, and some of them are very uh, subversive, just because we wanted a way for all of us to wear our mixedness on our sleeve every single day. Um, so I, it's year two of it, and it's going very strong. I have no idea what I'm doing because I'm a brand new entrepreneur. I've always been used to just working in the in the corporate world, which I still do. Um, but I love it because of um, just it's it's a very big creative and business outlet, and I do genuinely feel like I affect uh, in a good way our community um, because I get so much feedback on just like how it's needed and what a great job. Um, my company is doing for just our community in general. So um, yeah, it's it's super fun to do. Yeah, um, I'm excited about, well, first of all, I'm excited about anybody doing something mixed. Um, I aspired to be professionally mixed for so long and then, you know, found a platform to be able to get into it. So when other people are finding ways to do it too, I just get super excited. Uh, why don't we start a little bit about you first and then we'll kind of get into yeah. the, the origin of the business and everything like that. Uh, so you're a native New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Let me ask the question that all of the other people ask us. What, what are you mixing? What? You're so exotic looking. What are you mixing? <laughs> You're not from here. You're what not you, from what here. You, what do you look like? Um, yeah, so my mother's side of the family is of Irish descent and Finnish descent. So you're talking very, very fair skin, freckles. Um, a lot of my cousins have blonde hair, blue eyes. Um, some have red hair. So you're talking, that's my mom's background. And she actually was born and raised in Indiana. Uh, Cornfield, USA, but um, we actually have people who came over from Ireland that are on Ellis Island, the wall and everything. And then on the other side of my background is my father. And my father was from Trinidad, Trinidad and Tobago, the Caribbean island. 
Um, and he is, um, or he was, and his family are from or of African and Indian descent because of the slave trade in, in Trinidad. Um, and so you have very tall, you know, beautiful brown skin, very thick curly hair, um, dark features, which which I have inherited. And then you put those two together, and you get you get me. Yeah. Or like what I like to say, uh, an ambiguous Latina. <laughs> because for this, some reason, this we is, all... <laughs> it doesn't help that I was born and raised in the Bronx, and either you were Puerto Rican, Dominican, or Jamaican, and everyone was like, "You don't speak Spanish?" No, I don't. Yeah. Like, ah, yep. This is. This so is I like to tell people that if I'm on the West Coast, which I'm from, if I'm on the West Coast, I'm Mexican or Filipino, and if mm -hmm. I'm on the East Coast, I'm Dominican or Puerto Rican. Mm -hmm. And Dominicans, and I have been yelled at by Dominicans that I do not support my culture enough because I don't speak Spanish. Yeah, because how dare I'm not you? like rocking the Dominican flag. Mm -hmm. And I try to convince them I'm not Dominican, but um, evidently they think I'm lying. So I don't know why all of us mixed folks end up looking Latin, but. I know. And oh, it's my husband. He is he's uh, his mother's side is Puerto Rican. And, and like so I have another last name. It's Acosta. And so now it just makes my life harder when people are like, no, 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 <laughs> you are for sure. How how dare you lie? I once you? got into an argument with a really old, old uh, uh, Spanish guy. I don't know if he was Dominican or Puerto Rican, but he used to work at a seat at a, a supermarket. And I think they only hired me because they thought I was Hispanic. And oh, that's funny. he was speaking to me in Spanish when I was checking him out because I was a ring out girl. And I was like, oh, no, blah, blah, blah. and I can do the accent. So it's like, I got to stop doing it. It's the worst like, when you can do an accent. Yeah, I yeah. should just be like, no, habla, no, habla, you know, say. But I was like, no, habla espanol, you know, blah, 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 whatever. And he's like, yes. And he would go back and forth like 10 minutes. And the owner had to come and be like, it's fine. <laughs> and they were so, and then they're like, you don't speak Spanish. I was like, no, they're like, you didn't say that. Like you didn't ask, right? Sorry. Like I'm supposed to decide what you thought what I you am thought before. I yeah, no, that happens all the time, and the it's time. so passionate. Like the way in which they're like, "What is wrong with your family that they did not teach mm -hmm. you Spanish?" Disgrace. Yeah, it's like immediate attack on the whole bloodline. Yeah, and it's just like a black and Japanese family. You know, <laughs> like I don't know what to tell what you. That? No. My favorite New York moment was I was there visiting and I went to buy T-shirts for like people back home or whatever. And the guy who was running the T-shirt booth was Arabic. And he started speaking Spanish to me and I said, I don't speak Spanish. And he's like, what kind of Puerto Rican doesn't speak Spanish? And I was like, a black and Japanese one. He's like, what do you mean? And I was like, my dad's black. My mom's Japanese. So then he starts speaking Japanese really <gasps> fast. And I was like, slow down. I like I'm picking up like yeah. every fifth word and stuff. And he's like, you don't speak Japanese either. I'm like, well, Japanese don't come to different countries and keep their culture they assimilate like that's that's the goal i said so i speak a little bit of japanese but not that much or whatever and so we finish our thing and he's like you need to learn J japanese you need to go to japan i'm like agree with you 100 percent. i but you know i'm yeah i'm broke you know what am i gonna do yeah. and then as i'm leaving um i say shukran just thank you in in arabic and he's like oh arabic you speak <laughs> And I was like, well, I mean, not to keep talking, but like my husband's Palestinian, my, my best friend's Syrian. So like I pick up United bit, Nations, you know, just a little bit of language everywhere. Yeah. I actively avoided learning Spanish because I didn't get along with my stepmom and my stepmom mm -hmm. spoke Spanish. And so I spoke, I took French in, in high school intentionally because of mm -hmm. that. And now I'm about to move to Mexico and I'm learning Spanish right now. And I'm like, man, my whole life, I tried not to learn Spanish to justify people's yeah, yeah, belief yeah. that I am Latina. 
and now I'm learning Spanish, and so like I don't know how I'm gonna. I people. I can't tell you though. Like I took Spanish probably ever every single year in high school, and it's probably seventh, eighth, sixth grade. I don't. I didn't think I retained anything, but now my daughter would like, "Mommy, how do you say X Y Z in Spanish?" And I'm like, "Zapato," and she's yeah. like, "How do you know that?" So it's weird. It's but, like coming back. back. Yeah, yeah. But in Spanish yeah. class, it would be people would be so pissed because they would copy off of me. And then when I got a C, they'd be like, what the hell? You should ask. I didn't tell you, you, you asked, to copy off of me. I didn't tell you what my brown was. You I don't know what I'm what doing here. Like, That's so funny. You hear attendance. Do you hear Rodriguez? No, you hear Pope Muhammad. What do you want from me? <laughs> I was like, yeah, what is it? What? Like, I'm not the one lying. No, yeah. Um, like, that's your mistake, dummy. It, it is no. funny, too, because it is like the way people feel offense sometimes. Because this happens to me with Filipino, like, Filipino moms that are trying to marry off their sons, mm-hmm. um, which would happen to me a lot when I was younger in, in California. And then the second they find out I'm not Filipino, it's just like, how dare you? <laughs> because they feel, I think they feel like we're, we're like, we, because we look a certain way, like we're trying to be that, mm-hmm. but in actuality, we're just like living our lives. And it's just, you who's putting these assumptions on me, you know, yeah. like that happens all like when we go on vacation you know, if we go to a Spanish-speaking country, they will immediately always start talking Spanish to us. And I just look at my husband because he's a Puerto Rican. I'm like, take it away. And he doesn't know anything either. So then we feel bad of like... You feel so much guilt, I swear. Even if it's like not your language, you're just like, sorry about my face. Like, Um, Yeah, I apologize. It takes forever to get over sorry for my face Mm -hmm. guilt that we have as mixed people, which doesn't come up enough on this show anymore. Like it used to in the beginning, but it doesn't really happen as much anymore. And I swear the amount of times that I have like apologized that someone else decided something for me. In the past, obviously, I don't do that anymore. Yeah, but yeah, back then it would just be like, "I'm sorry, I didn't mean to mm-hmm. lie to you with just existing." Because <laughs> that's know? what it is. It's true. That's what it feels like. So you grew up in New York, so you were mm-hmm. around all kinds of brown people, mostly yep. and stuff like that. Did you visit? Would you say it was Indiana? Yeah, or, Indiana. That was. Did you visit the white people that you related to regularly? Yes. Yeah, we what were actually. It was, it was, it was amazing because growing up, like I went, I was, I was born and raised in the Bronx. I went to high school in Queens. I went to college in Brooklyn and I worked most of my career in Manhattan. And so all that, like, I'm a city kid through and through, like riding the subways, all that. And then every summer, my mom, because all her family's in Indiana, my mom was a weirdo. She like, she never belonged in Indiana. She would wear weird things. She never fit in. And so the day after she graduated high school, she moved to New York and went to NYU because she just felt like that's where I belong. She'd never been there before, but she was like, I just know I belong there. She, you know, lived in the village yeah. or whatever. So thank God because, nice. I, you know, born and raised a New Yorker. But every summer we would travel to Indiana and it would be like such a vacation for, for us because one, we had no money. So, we you know, we stayed with family or whatever. Two, it's Indiana. What are you going to do? But just to be around trees and cornfields and like just hang out in a house right because I I grew up six people to one bedroom apartment right so to just have like my own little space for a week and see my family so we were very very close to to my mom's side because I feel like it was because she wanted to see them also because she didn't live near them she didn't have that family you know support where if you 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 know have kids where you are from then you know you see your grandparents and stuff and so it was very important to her so we always but the flip side of that would be, you know, we would stand out with, cause my dad would stay home and it would be my mom and my mom with the, like these three yeah. Hispanic looking kids, you yeah. know? And then you have this weird 
thing in Indiana where all the brown people are the help, right? And so I would walk around when my cousins got older. I remember distinctly going to the mall or going to like an outdoor mall, whatever, and me walking with my, you know, blonde headed cousins and they think like I'm their babysitter. And so I would speak a certain type of way to my cousin, like, get your ass over here. What are you doing? And you should like, (laughs) how did, and I would like, you know, I was a teenager or whatever, or even younger. So I, I didn't, I couldn't say anything I felt like because they're adults and, you know, you're raised a certain way. If you come from an immigrant family, like you don't, you don't do that. But I just remember like people looking and being like, you could see them doing the equations in their head, but me and my cousins, it just, that's who we are. We're blood, you know? Right. And you don't learn how, as a kid with your monoracial, cause like you don't learn how to communicate to outsiders what this means. No, um, or it's that, not a regular to you. Yeah. Like that is my, like that's my only sister. thing I know. That's, we are like the most related you can get without being siblings. You know what I mean? Right. So it's, yeah, it was, it was weird. Like me whole, like, cause I have, it's us three and then my aunt's three and then my uncle's three. And so I'm very close with the the middle three. Cause I've, I've known them for their whole entire lives. Right. Cause I was, I was probably 10 when my, when the next set was born and I, I, I held them as babies and I would walk, you know, I'd stroll them around and stuff and people would just be like, but then they, the, those kind of assumptions change. Right. Then you, you turn into like, first you're the playmate. And then when you're a teenager, you're like the teenage mom. Like, why do you have this white baby? And then you, you know, you turn into like the, the caretaker and it's just like, they, but you can't, I, it does not compute. It doesn't compute and you just don't have enough time if you Mm -hmm. even wanted to, which I don't want to anymore. But back in the day, I want to explain it to people. You don't have time for it to register. No. And then I would do like little, I remember doing like little things to like put into the universe, like the relation, you know, I'd be like, uh, you know, cousin, come over here because my aunt is going to be angry if you go into the street. Everybody, we are related. Don't call the cops. I'm not trying to steal this child type of thing. And I remember doing that and then being like, who gives a shit? Like, who cares what people think? You know? But it would just be so... You care if there's a risk of cops. Like, you... you, And in the end, there's a a big risk. Yeah. There's a big risk. Yeah. Um, Where I grew up in Long Beach, too, it was it was always like that. Like um, I've I've talked about on the show before how my if we were caught loitering, meaning hanging out at the park, um, (laughs) they would pick us up and put us in the car. We'd be like 12, 13 years old and they would drop me off at home because they couldn't distinguish what I was. But they would drop my dark skinned friends off in the Mexican neighborhoods to go get beat up. And we're talking about 12, 13 year olds. In a time when we didn't have cell phones, pagers were around at the time, but we didn't have cell phones. So they would end up getting, they basically just, they would drop Mexican kids off in my neighborhood and black kids off in the Mexican neighborhood so that the neighborhood would do the work Mm -hmm. for the cops, right? And then I have this one experience where, and I do, like, my memory is really vague about it, but I remember the cop, me thinking the cop was Mexican Mm -hmm. and him dropping me off at the house with a white partner and when my black dad opens the door, the look of regret on the cop's face that he brought me home, like that I was one of them and mm-hmm. I should have been dropped off with them, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that we're children. Like, I can't stress enough that we're 12. Like, I don't have breasts yet, mm-hmm. you know, like all this other kind of stuff is happening and 
they're thinking about us as grown ass people that need to get our ass whooped just because mm -hmm. we're brown, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. a, I mean, it's a real thing and it's crazy that we learn how to do that. You know, I mean, in some cases, parents have the talk with you, but sometimes you just figure it out. Like my aunt, cousin, our, our shared relative is mm -hmm. going to be met. That's ridiculous. That happened to me in England too. When I was with, I went to England with my white cousin and we were in the countryside. So mm -hmm. if you're in London, you see brown people. If yeah. you go to the countryside, you do not see brown people. And so people would just ask, like, what's going on here? Yeah. Because he's like 12 years older than me and stuff like that. And it's like, what do you mean? They're like, why are you guys together? Like, just straight up ask. No problem. Just straight up ask. And it's like, well, we're cousins. Mm, that doesn't make any sense. Mm -mm. How does that happen? Mm -hmm. My nan and his nan are sisters. Nan! Oh. You know? And they're like, how? But this still doesn't make sense. And so, no. like, it kept happening. I got so frustrated that one time I ended up saying, my nan, yeah, yeah, his nan, yeah, sisters, okay, my nan fucked a black dude. Like, <laughs> that, And then my cousin, my cousin was just like, Charmaine, and I was like, listen, you, gotta you don't have to deal with this. I have to deal with this. <laughs> and, and like, you don't realize how much it's happened since we've been on this trip together. And by that point, I was done with like, you know, well, it's cute. Our grandmothers. I would say at first, like, you know, my nan went to the States and his nan went to Australia. And that's why mm -hmm. we have different accents, but mm -hmm. whatever. But after a while, it was just like, my nan fucked a black dude. That's all you need to do. <laughs> that's all that. I mean, that's common denominator, right? That's, <laughs> that's like, what you want to hear. So yeah, I was like, that's, that's the question you're asking. So let me just do it. So that's a really frustrating aspect of like, especially especially when we're mixed with white because i do like yeah. i say i'm black and japanese mostly because that's the cultures that i mostly grew up around but i do have a white part of my family and they're from england and mm -hmm. there's only one of them i grew up around but yeah it's, it's and i feel like so much of it it like I, I love talking to other mixed people because so much of it you don't realize until you start talking about it because a lot like you're right a lot of it is you just learn as you go and you just like you you just have these mechanisms that you have and you don't even realize you have them until you start talking to other people and you're like oh shit you have those mechanisms too because I didn't you know I knew that obviously me and my cousins looked extremely different like on the completely different spectrum and I you know now only talking to you I'm like oh shit I did used to do that like and you know you and then when you have kids you still kind of do it also and then and then there's also the there's the spoken stuff right and then there's the unspoken stuff of like the the look back when you pass and I would always look back to see who's looking at me because they would always look back and then you know as you get older what yeah. what what does it transition to right because before it'd be me and my father oh he kidnapped me and then it went into right. oh he's my boyfriend right, right. and there were multiple times where he would I think he knew what people would think but he also just did not give two shits and he would just curse people out because they would like look at me and he'd be like this is my fucking daughter like yeah. what you know did your mom ever get congratulated for adopting brown children <laughs> she would get she would get the it would always be the same formula well one she was one of two white people on our whole entire block mm. one of two the other mm. one was an older lady sweet as hell she was one of like the the original bronx people like did they just okay. you know never stayed, left, never left. and then there's then there's you know the, the other one the the mom over there um, so she was always the minority, always. It was never us. We fit in perfectly, like no problem. Nobody ever asked questions, nothing. But it was always like, who's that? That's your mom? 
and you know for them it's like an anomaly it's like because in yeah. where i grew up in the bronx you weren't white you were albanian you know what i mean and that oh, was right right you know that's not white that's albanian like you are from albania and then you got you know my mom so but she would always get the um one it'd be like who, who are you and why are you here and then it would be like if it was a white person they would congratulate her on how beautiful her kids were Mm. and then they would never say like that we you know oh my god your kids are so beautiful and my mom would be like yeah thanks yep great because she knew it was coming like would you care to elaborate you know on right. that compliment and my mom would be like right. no, I'm good I don't know I don't want to but you know it's one of those things that she I think she it was her that stood out more um, and they were trying to compute why are we with her and why is she in the Bronx you know yeah that makes and, sense and less like you know how'd you get these kids it was kind of like why are you with them and but then it'd be the same with my dad but my dad was was an anomaly because he was one of the few dads that I knew that stayed with his family I was one of the few Mm. people I knew that had one that knew my dad two that had my dad actively involved in my life three that that he lived with me it was Mm. that's a rarity yeah Yeah, I also have that too yeah when I was a kid so people like who's that like that's my dad lives with you Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. my dad would also beat my ass if I got in trouble like that's how involved he was you know yeah. like he, he so it was very it was very weird um but for like different reasons yeah no that makes sense because if you're if you were on any other side like if you were more like in Manhattan or something like that you might be going down the street and someone might congratulate your mm-hmm. white mom um for having adopted brown babies mm-hmm. which has come up so often especially in the beginning of the show where it's just like wow people are just wild yeah. with uh with you like growing up that way plus you staying see i feel like new york is an anomaly in terms of mixed folks in general because like almost everybody is kind of mixed because you're not just where you're from you're also a new yorker like you might be on the puerto rican part of town you could be kind of any race but mostly puerto rican people there but you're a New Yorker. So like you have a pass in participating in the culture in a way that like outside of New York doesn't really happen. So then on top of it to be mixed and a New Yorker and from all these different places, like it's just different. Like every time I'm there, I feel a lot more like I don't have to answer many questions as I do anywhere else in the world. Mm -hmm. And if I'm answering questions in New York, it's literally just because someone decided I was Puerto Rican or Dominican. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of times, especially in New York, people, they, they, one, they know how to ask. If you're a native New Yorker, you know how to ask. And it's usually because they're very interested. Like they'll, it's usually, this is what happens all the time. And I know it is they'll hear a certain thing or they'll see my name and they'll ask me a a specific question because they want to find out if I'm Trinidadian because Mm. they want to connect. So it's a, it's funny that you say it, Charmaine, because I, if you hear, if you heard, I will always say like, yes, I'm Irish and Trinidadian, but I'm a native New Yorker because that is my that's right. a, a, that is a hu- that's a huge layer that I think is above and beyond like my genetic makeup. It is yeah. being a New Yorker is like it is literally part of your DNA. It is like who you one are. One of your cultural elements. It, like it, even if you're a monoracial New Yorker, you're multicultural because you are also a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And I can I consider myself super lucky that that I I was born and raised and still live in New York because I haven't I'm very lucky I haven't had to deal, you know, I couldn't imagine being, you know, uh, mixed and living in a majority of, you know, white or majority of X, Y, Z, like as, as a lot of our, you know, brothers and sisters have to that, that I couldn't even imagine. I feel, I consider myself very lucky to grow up in such like a melting pot 
and like being surrounded by just brown and black people and not having to, you know, like be judged or anything because I was just one of them, you yeah. know? And then when when you get down to deeper levels, then it's kind of like when they start adding up, oh, that's your mom and that's your dad. Oh, okay. It's never like, ew. It was always like, oh, that's interesting. And like, you know, but you but you still are like, but you are Trinidadian. Like, uh, you right, know, that yeah. is people like blood. to like, remind you. You are Trinidadian, you know? Or, I think or that's probably I'm Muslim, which I'm not, but they were like, your name because is Muhammad, you have Muslim. Yeah you have Muslim blood, like, right. you're, you know, you're Muslim. So, but it's yeah. always from, a, it's always been a place of like, we want you to be part of our community as opposed to, we want to weed you out. You're, right. you're this, you can go this way. It's always, it's always been trying to, to bring, bring you in somewhere in New York. As I opposed feel to like that is, if you grow up in urban black and brown areas, you get closer to that. I think New York does it probably better because even in Long Beach growing up, I did grow up in a predominantly black area, but we had Mexican kids. We had South Asian, Southeast Asian kids and stuff like that all in the neighborhood. We had like five white kids that all hung out in the parking lot because where else were they going to go? Mm-hmm. But like I was never treated. It's always surprising to me when I meet mixed people that aren't treated black enough or brown enough in their communities because I didn't have that dynamic. I mm-hmm. was people always just considered me black like they would remind me that I was black not in a negative way not not right. in a way to erase the other part but just be like just remember you belong here and it's mm-hmm. you're it's fine here and the ways in which it would come up it would be like if something I said didn't code right which wasn't mm-hmm. often because I grew up in the same neighborhood but if it didn't they'd say oh she's got a Japanese mom and then that would be the way of someone being like, oh, okay, got it, got it, got it. We're back on track. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, and it yeah. wasn't like, okay, now I'm going to make fun of you. You know, like, it wasn't ever like that. On the rare occasions that people would notice that I had a white grandmother, a Brit, you know, it was that she had a British accent. And so that became a point of fascination. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, if you're going to have a white relative, have a one with an accent, you know, mm-hmm. like, because it's a mm-hmm. lot better. It's a lot easier yeah. in the neighborhood, you know, stuff like yep. that. But the but then I started doing this show and I'm talking to like kids that grew up in the suburbs and even if they grew up in like a black or brown suburb, the not brown enough, not black enough thing would happen to them. And that just didn't really, mm-hmm. it didn't really happen to me. I definitely have the not Japanese enough thing, mm-hmm. but that's because Japan is very uh, mono cultural, mono heritage, mono everything, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. It's always, it's, it's always easier to relate to other er- like other people who grew up in like urban environments around black and brown people because we are just like we get we get that there are moments where we're going to be divided mm-hmm. like soccer <laughs> you know something like that like a world cup or something mm-hmm. like that but for the most part we're existing in a very similar environment and so it's really not that bad la had a brilliant strategy lapd in dividing us further so there's a lot of segregation amongst different brown people in la and stuff like that but it's, it's just different than mm-hmm. I think what the, the suburb mixed kids end up experiencing. Cause I mean, the way in which, like, I don't take offense that Dominicans want to own me so much. Yeah. Yeah. It just feels like they want, like, they're just like, there's they, something yeah. about you. They, I'm not, I, yeah, they want to welcome, they want to yeah. just welcome you. Yeah. Like I know it's all, it's yeah, it's, yeah, it's weird. Cause I've never had been like in the Bronx, especially like, what are you to literally be like, we don't want you, you know, I remember being, being a kid in school and like, cause, cause there's, there was like in my neighborhood, there's very few Trinidadians. We had one Trinidadian and just so happened he had, he actually like re- was related to me and I didn't know until like oh, funny. many years later. Yeah. My dad was like, Oh, did you know that that's your cousin? I'm like, cause my mom's side is very like, you can see their family tree. They're very open about it. Right. 
their lineage. My dad's side is not because in Trinidad, like you don't ask your grandmother or your mother how old they are. If they want to keep secrets, they're going to keep secrets. So I could not tell oh, you. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And every time I go to Trinidad, I'd be walking. My uncle would be like, that's your cousin. That's your cousin. That's your aunt. We don't talk to her. That's your cousin. <gasps> that's and I, I, I could, I can't even tell you like the secondary branches. I have no idea. Really? No idea. Yeah. Cause it would just be like, it would, my dad would give it to me in drips and drabs and, you know, him leaving Trinidad and, you know, establishing his life as, as a New Yorker. He was an American for the longest time. He didn't consider himself an American. He was a New Yorker. Like he didn't want to get his citizenship and all that, but it was very, it was like, now I live here and now we're this. And so even to go to Trinidad, he didn't want us to go for the longest time. And I actually went in high school, but with my uncle and so you know it was one of those things that's of like, interesting yeah so so like because because it's an island like i always wonder like if you say if you say they're my cousin are we cousins because we're from a small island or are we cousins because we're actually related yeah like it was <laughs> it was the it was the it was the latter because i remember walking i was walking with my other uncle who lives there and he still lives there still and we were just walking he was like that's your cousin and i'm like what are you talking about He's like, see that lady? And I'm like, like being like, you know, but and not like approaching and being like, hey, introduce. She was on the cousin. other side of the street, you know, <laughs> and he was like, that's your I was like, who What's wow. her name? What's her name? And he would tell me her name. And I'm like, OK, so let. he's like, no, 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 no. no, no. We don't talk. We don't talk. That's why. OK, I need to know more about this, but I don't. I, well, that's all I got. That's, that's all I got. So wild. That's okay. all I got. Yeah. That's so it's like I don't even know who who and what all and 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 or anything like that, just because they 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 were very like my dad and his siblings only knew what they were told. Right. So even then I'm getting, you know, secondary, terrible right, right. information. And and it only goes so far back because you just they just don't. So I have. My mom's side is very small, but way bigger than my dad's side, only because, you know, they're more like they're open, like this is your aunt and here and, you know, there they would be gatherings and stuff, whereas my dad's side is like, we don't we don't talk about that. We don't talk to this oh, person. That's so interesting. I definitely would love to to understand more how that dynamic, because like in the Japanese side of my family, nobody talks about anything and they'll say things like, don't talk outside of the family. And I'm like, but that's your sister, you know, and it'll be like, we didn't know that two of my aunts had like stage four cancer at one point and then got remissioned. And by the time we found out they had that level of cancer, it was cause it came back and it was just like, okay, how did this many cancers happen before we found out? Because we mm -hmm. don't talk outside of the family, mm -hmm. but they, they're literally your family, mm -hmm. but they're not the unit you chose, like you made on your own. They're mm -hmm. the unit you came from. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting that that would happen. But like, if you were to just go to Trinidad on your own and start interacting with people, you might be interacting with family and not even realize it. A hundred percent. And then you might get in trouble with family because you're like, you're not supposed to talk to that person. Mm -hmm. But you're like, I don't know. How do I know? How am I supposed to know? Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. end up accidentally dating someone that you might be really good to because nobody <laughs> yeah. talks about and it. And nobody talks. To yeah, exactly. Or it's like, or it's like a lot of times, like we think we're related, but we may, but we might not be. Or just like let's just pretend we are just in case just in case, <laughs> just in case. Just in case. you know um, so it's well but i think it, it makes it difficult for me being mixed because you try to connect but you're stopped yeah you're literally stopped so like there's only so far i can go and you know my dad is like he passed away and my uncle passed away so now i just mm -hmm. have an aunt who lives in england and an uncle who still lives in Trinidad. but once they're gone 
that's it. That's yeah. it. So it it worries me a lot because I have I have a daughter and I have her to to consider. You know, she needs to know this family. You know, she needs to know this side. But you know, as you people people pass on, obviously, so it's very it's difficult. And then, you know, I'm I'm not full Trinidadian. Obviously, I don't live in Trinidad. I'm mm-hmm. I've never lived there. So the, for me, it's like. The only word I can think of is like dilution, but that's mm-hmm. like a it, I, to me that's not a good a good word. But it's like you're a step, you know, you're a step removed, Mar- right? So yeah. I can only teach her what I know about Trinidad from my experience, but I can you know pull from history and pull from you know a, like actual events and stuff like that. So she'll ask me all the time about Trinidad, and I'll tell her. And she we're definitely gonna go when she's older because crime is not not great there right now. Um, so like we're you know. We're not going anytime soon, but obviously when she's older, we will. But it's to me, that's a very big struggle is like when I go there, who will I know? You know, yeah, I won't. I don't even know my own family history when it comes to that, because there is the thing that my my dad's side prides above everything else is privacy, private. Like, do not ask a question. Yeah. Do not like why you want to know my business? Why you want to know my business? Why you know my business, right? Like, and it's so weird because when your family, especially when you come from an immigrant family, like they left home for whatever reason they mm-hmm. left, whether it's trauma or expansion or whatever the thing is, that's the past for them. Yeah. And and as American born people, like we, I think we feel like we need the connection because we just don't get it. There's not enough of a centralized culture, I think, mm-hmm. to make us feel like this is where we're fun mm-hmm. from and it's fine. I definitely don't feel american enough mm-hmm. for that to be the only story i mm-hmm. need to know what happened in japan i need to know what happened 100 i need to know and i feel like when you try to address your family members that are from other places that they're just like it's such an american thing for them that it's just like just leave me alone about it and for me i'm just thinking what's going to be lost though if exactly. you don't if i can't get you to talk what's going to be lost yeah and i mean for me it's already lost because like my dad passed uh if my kid is five he passed six years ago maybe five years ago but it would be one of those things of like he would say offhanded comments and that's how i like get get right. the kind of details like, yeah. you know, over the 30 years you know i'll get these little things but i remember him saying something like you know i don't even know my own mother's age and i'd be like how you know i'm american so like how do you not know that you know because americans are in your face and he'd be like you don't ask that question mm. why would you ever ask your mother mm. how old she is and he's like so i have so when she passed no one knew no one had any idea couldn't even find her papers yeah, you know? the not finding papers is a real thing because I know like we have a gauge of how the like our great grandmother we have like gauges like we think she's around this age or whatever. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's you, yeah. it's disrespectful I, to know. It's like, disrespectful, right? And you're like, yeah. oh, but dad, like how, like how, like how, and because you wonder like what is you know Americans are very or Westerners in general are very driven by legacy mm-hmm. and legacy through your children and stuff like that well for me a person who doesn't want children I view legacy through like what I create mm-hmm. and part of what I create involves the people that I come from and I mm-hmm. want to be able to preserve as much because I, these people are going to be lost to mm-hmm. history my, whether it's my history or or real history yeah. it's going to be lost and you know anything that I can pull together I would like to be able to do that I, I didn't realize how like important, like I knew it was important to me. It's always been something I've been interested in, but I didn't realize how important it was to me until recently, like a white lady reached out to my family group on Facebook. We have this like extended, basically a black family reunion mm-hmm. group on my black side of my family. 
and it's none of us really know each other. I mean, some of us know each other, but not mostly we all remember one family member in common. And that's why we we stay in the group. And a white woman who shared our last name joined or tried to join because she wanted to give us information about one of our ancestors, which mm -hmm. is, first of all, a huge thing for a white person to do anyway. But she reached out and said, I'm the descendant of a person that enslaved your side of the family. I think we're possibly also related, but I don't want to offend anybody. Yeah. But I want to give you any information that I can give you because you deserve to have access to your ancestors. So she gives us a story about somebody who like fought for her freedom and her children's freedom and go further down the story. She's named in the Dred Scott case as what? precedent. I would have never known had this one white woman mm -hmm. not decided to share the information. And then, so it's so weird because now I have the information. Great. I have the information. I can start doing research, but all I could obsess about was if she had never done this, I would never have known, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and it would have been lost mm -hmm. that we're mm -hmm. connected to this person. And I don't, it was so weird. The fear that I felt as a result of getting access to the information. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, if I know this now, what don't I know? You know mm -hmm. what? It, that's what it did. It opened up mm -hmm. all the, what don't I know stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's tough, especially when we come from cultures, you know, that are so private. Cause mm -hmm. you know, Japanese are the same way. Mm -hmm. They're super private. Yeah. And, and, and to, to, to further your point, like if you come from a culture like Trinidad, which, you know, is part of the slave trade, like it's worrisome to think, okay, you know how they got there. Yeah. But until it's confirmed, you don't really know. You can just act like it didn't. Yeah. Right. And it's kind of like, and then, you know, pretty much everything I know is like handed down of like, okay, you know, because in Trinidad, it's kind of like, from what I'm told, it's like, you can be one of three things and care of, which is like the, you know, original mm -hmm. into Trinidad and then Indian because from India slave trade and then African. And so what I'm told is I'm African and Indian, like, my dad offhandedly literally one day like randomly was like did you know your great-grandmother is pakistani and i'm like word did not know that thank you for sharing on a random tuesday at noon awesome <laughs> great nothing else drop nothing just else no That's culture it. stuff just just here's left. a little What's nugget for you no, just left you know like, so you got like, a picture anything nothing nah, i was nah. like okay great so it's just like that's how you get it like that's how you yeah. have but what you're saying before about like they leave their country and they start a new my dad started anew in new york like literally we did not know that that his name was not his name until he died and then we found all his documents no and shit he had an american name that he just like in the 70s you could just like create your own name and he did and i would hear like whisperings like you know that's not your dad's name I'm like what are you talking about that is his name like that's yeah. that's not his name was it not his name did not Goodness know that gracious he had an American name. Like he wanted to be this guy that lived in New York and he didn't want like, you, you know, X, Y, Z name. I'm like, bro, your last name is Muhammad though. So yeah, I mean, you got one, maybe not the other, but yeah, it was like, but it was just whisperings and then it came out and I'm like, so even if anything. like you tried to do research, you would have been stopped. You're going in the wrong direction. Yeah. But it also um, didn't make sense either too, Charmaine, because if you look at all his siblings, they all have Trinidadian names. And then you got this one guy who didn't. And I would ask him, like, mm -hmm. why do you have that name? Where did it come from? Like, is it, it was a shortened version. Of, like, is it shorter? And for, no, it's just my name. Just my name. Just my goodness name. gracious. So. So that, like, that's what, that, like, that makes the legacy aspect so difficult because. Yeah, you might be you might be like really getting involved and interested in something and might you might just find out that's not even your family. 
Exactly. So from that, let's talk a little bit about mosaic and how how like your mixness and your child's mixness plays into this creation for this company of yours. Yeah. So so yeah. So I'm Irish and Trinidadian, and I met my now husband when we were 17. So he went to a different high school. I went to a different high school. But his best friend went to my high school. And anyway, we randomly started, like, we met one day when we were 17. And he is, his father's side is black and his mom's side is Puerto Rican. And he was raised with his mom's side. Um, So he's Puerto Rican, but he has darker skin. Um, So he, like, doesn't fit. Like, and he's from, like, Puerto Rican. So he's, like, the darkest one in his family. Uh, Like, does not compute moment. Um, Anyway, we... We've been together since we were 17. I'm 36 now. We had our daughter five years ago. So she's every, all of, all she's of all us. the things, <laughs> she's all the things. But for, for me and my husband, we are, we are very mixed people where it's like, we like, there is a, this side and this side, and then it's you in the middle. Right. Yeah, so it's, absolutely. Yeah. so we are very mixed people and we've always talked to like, it's, it's been the number one thing. Like, I think that was like the first thing that someone had said, like, Hey, did you know she's mixed too? And he's like, what? And then we would just start talking. Like that's the first hour we met. Man, and we that, just, those are the it best was, moments. <laughs> it was great. It was great. But I think that was, you know, and then we found all every, like, and then it was just an avalanche of like things that were very similar on, but that was like the tipping point because you immediately connect on that. Um, and then it like, and then it makes sense. Like, oh, that's why you look that way. And you know, X, Y, Z. And so anyway, we had our daughter and she's obviously everything on top of being a New Yorker because both me and my husband are right. very capital N-Y New Yorkers. So um, he's also like his whole life born and raised. Whole too. life. Whole life. Yeah. He's a little bit like he doesn't, he hasn't moved around like me so much. Like he, he, his, he's very Queens. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's very Queens. Um which I'll be like, no, I'm the Bronx. So I've lived the <laughs> longest time in Queens, but I don't claim no disrespect to Queens. I do the like, same thing about Long Beach. I live there the shortest, but yeah. that's where I woke up into my personality. That's the thing. So that's, that's where yep. I'm from. Whenever someone tries to be like, oh, well, you lived in Queens the longest, but that's not what made me. I was that's who I was when me. I lived there, you know, when I yeah. when I got there. So so anyway, long, long story, try, try to be short. One day I was like, you know, in 2021, tw- yeah, 21, 2021, in January, I... Uh, I'm very into sneakers, like typical New Yorker and fashion okay. and, you know, streetwear. Like that's all we do over here. Um, I pick, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the, the person who like dresses, dresses our daughter and she, she has a very specific style. So I would just find myself looking for, you know, clothes. And I remember just looking on like one website and I was, I saw like a ballerina shirt or something and they offered the ballerina only in white. It was a white yeah. ballerina. And I'm like, ah. Oh. I wonder if they have any other like skin tones. And then I looked and they didn't. And then, you know, I saw, I came upon another shirt and it was like only a black ballerina. And I'm like, it would be great if I could get like, like a medium skin tone ballerina, like just something in the middle. You're not going to make, you know, you're going to not going to hit every mix, but like, just give me like more melanin and slightly less melanin. Like it just gives me in the middle. And I was just like, oh, whatever. It would be cool if there was like a brand that like only had shirts for mixed kids because we're very into not having our daughter choose a quadrant or a side. Like right. we don't do that. Yeah. And I don't want her to have to do those kind of like uh, do those decisions or have that divide in her or in her when she's picking out her clothing. To me, that's where it comes when you're right. a kid is like you yeah. gravitate toward the white ballerina and grab it just because that's your only option. And then in yeah. your head, your beauty standards are white yeah you know and that it really does happen like i've i've seen it happen to her even from 
you know, very overtly, you know, mixed and very pro-black pro and pro-minority and pro, you know, brown parents, it still seeps in because of, you know, society. So anyway, I was like, oh, that'd be cool if it had it. And then I was like, let me Google if they do have it. And I just found like, I found one and it, but it wasn't what I was looking for. It was, it just wasn't, it was very, it was very into hair. And that's not what I was looking for. Cause I feel like a lot of the the stuff that we had and have is always hair. You have a mixed yeah. hair, 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 hair. Yeah. And I'm, I'm like, I don't want that. So that was January, like it did, but the idea didn't leave me. And so I just started writing all my ideas into a notebook. February, I had two notebooks full. And then I talked to my husband. I was like, I think I have to do this. Like, I never wanted to be an entrepreneur. I have a very like heavy daytime job. I've had my career since I was 20. It's like, it's all encompassing. And then I had, you know, a three-year-old at the time. I have two bulldogs. I was like, I can't do this. But it wouldn't leave me. And, I, and Daniel, my husband was like, why don't, why don't you just try it? March, I did my LLC, got my branding, and then done. Ever since then, yeah. I, I just haven't stopped because it just keeps going, you know? Yeah. And, I like and it's it. hard not to constantly get motivated it's by something else. It's like, I mean, you, we see it all the time in media. Like, Ariel is now a Black girl, mm -hmm. and little Black girls are like, oh my gosh, I can be a mermaid, even mm -hmm. though the first tales about mermaids come from Africa, but mm -hmm. everybody's acting like that's not a thing. Like, there's so many ways in which you could constantly get new material mm -hmm. and, and have different skin tones, different hair types, mm -hmm. straight hair on a brown skin, mm -hmm. curly hair on a white skin, you know, like, there's so many yeah. different things you can do, which is amazing. Yeah. That I remember that as a kid, like, um, I remember getting this blonde Barbie, a peaches mm -hmm. and cream Barbie, and I cut all off her hair because she didn't look like anybody in my family. Till my mom eventually started dyeing her hair blonde, and that's a whole other thing. But then I also got a, a Hawaiian Barbie, and while we weren't the same, she was yeah. the closest thing to me, and I fucking cherished her. You know, like it was, it was like she was brown skin with black hair. That's as close to me as anything I've ever had, and I just loved that doll, no matter what. My kudos, kudos to my to my super white mom. She, uh, and this was like in you know in the '90s. She bought she bought me the Spanish Barbies. The box nice. would be all Spanish, you know? <laughs> and I remember getting it the first Christmas. Like, my, I can't even read this. Like, is this like, is Don't this a fake Barbie? The box is. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, no, Brittany, look at the Barbie. It has dark hair like you and dark eyes and look at the skin and like Spanish Barbies all the way. Never again, you know? Right. It was the best because I'm like, I, what am I supposed to do with this blonde hair? Like, yeah. You know, but in, in your mind, it's like, that's what a Barbie is. Yeah. And my mom was like, no, that's not. And now to this day, even now, I'll get my kid. She has all shades of Barbies, all shades of Barbies. But it's so funny because the the nice sets, you know, the the sets of like the ice cream shop. Who yeah. is the Barbie that they only sell with the ice cream shop? The white ones, yeah. Blonde ones in particular, yeah. So now I'm like forced to like buy the ice cream set, buy a different Barbie and swap out the Barbies. Right. Because I'm like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> like, and you got to are... sell the white Barbie on the internet so that you can pay for the... <laughs> and then the brown Barbie. <laughs> it's like, goddamn, like, can you make it easier for me? So... Like the tax, like, you know, the black tax, the yes. brown tax that go along with just trying to make your child be the norm in their own story. Like, forget about, like, not feeling different. Right. It's taken me years to reframe that like I used to say I was the different one right and now I say I lived around people that were different from me meaning I'm the center of my damn story right. you know right. like, I'm not, not the different one right ever for that to happen but to try to cultivate that in your child like 
I'm an MGM like your daughter. Both of my parents are mixed, and so I'm I'm super mixed. And they they did what they knew to do, but they didn't know what to do because their parents didn't do it for them. Mm-hmm. So I was the one, you know, beta testing walking outside being mixed. You know, mm-hmm. where back when they were born, you were what you looked the most like. Mm-hmm. You know, and for me. I didn't look like the thing I identified the most mm-hmm. as. And so I had to, I was, I was the beta for, for the future if I was going to have kids and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, I think it's so important to be able to do this. And so you, do you do the artwork for some of your things or do you commission that out with ideas? What? Yeah. 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 So I, no, no, I do not. <laughs> I am terrible at art. So all yeah. of it is my ideas and I do commission it. One of the tenets of my business is that we give money back to the black and brown community. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the artists that I that I do commission and that I do work with, like even lawyers and you know branding and all of that, um, they are from they're either from the mixed community or they're from you know the black and brown community. Uh, yeah, there are people far far more talented than I am. So I get the idea of like what I want. Some of them I do do like the the very simple ones, like because my aesthetic is actually very simple, very clean. Um, those I will do, and then the other ones I'm like. No, I can't. There's so. professionals out there. But, yeah. but let's give them the money. And yeah, if there's opportunities to spread the money around. In exactly. Black and that's, spaces, that's exactly. Yeah. That's if, staying even, on mission all the way through. Exactly. Process. Like if you look at if you look at my website, and you look at the models, I only use mixed models. Uh, my and then we also have another layer. Not like, you know, a different layer of like the where I do my my print shop. They're uh, a New York staple like they I support. They're a small business and I, I prefer to give my money to them right. as opposed to like, you know, outsourcing like, you know, to, to kind of bigger manufacturers or suppliers or, or things like that. So it's just like those little tenants, like they do cost more, but it I, I there was no other way I could do it. Like, I yeah. like that's, you know, I have to do it that way because it's just who I am. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, do you feel so you said you're two years in now and it just it just keeps growing. Do you see a future in which you leave your current career and you're doing this full time? That's the hope that I'm literally waiting for like one of my TikToks to blow up. Like you see all these stories of like, oh, then my life has changed and blah, blah, blah. Um, Who knows? I don't think it'll happen for me, but um, that that would be the goal is that I can dedicate because me and my husband talk about all the time is like he's always like, Brittany, look what you look what you've built and look what you've done on two hours a day. Because literally I can only work on mosaic from seven to eight 30, which is after I work my full day, I pick up my daughter from school, cook dinner, clean, give her a bath. Then I literally sit down, I do mosaic and I've done all of this by myself and I can only really do it, you know, two hours a day. And then, you know, if I like kind of dedicate the, the time for the weekend, I, I do, but he's always like, what, like, think about what you like, how far you would go if you had way more time, but you know, financials, like I can't, that I make, I make a good living and I can't walk away from it. Yeah. You know, but I think if something happens that's out of my control, I don't think I'd ever go into another job. I would just dive headfirst into, into Mosaic. Cause that does sit with me of like how, how much further could I go? But I'm also not in a rush, right? I'm trying Mm -hmm. to build something that I can pass down to my daughter and my daughter is able to see that I do work for a company and a corporation, but I also work for myself. And I surround myself with, you know, this and I'm building this and mommy can do everything from scratch. And she's so proud. Like she'll wear the shirts and the stickers and everything. And I'll be like, 
where'd you get that from? She like, my mommy made it. I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's cute. She like tells everybody like, you know, so she's, I have my, my biggest fan club is my family. They pass yeah. out business cards and all that. So, but it's, it's, it, it keeps me going to see that she can see me, you know, yeah. um, which is very different from my parents because their American dream is you go to college, you get out of college, you get a career, you die in that career. Right, you have right. retirement and like that's it like entrepreneurship was never a no it was just never it was like it was just a non-entity like why do this all this extra work you can just have a job just and go work for the to, yeah and like yeah. keep that job like Brittany, shut your mouth and keep the job, job like don't yeah. don't rock the boat and i don't know if it's age or whatever but like now it's like oh Brittany, on it must be like the whole 2020 and you know the the and pandemic changed pandemic and you know era, like obviously George Floyd and all that. And I'm just like, I'm just not gonna hold my tongue anymore because I feel, I feel like before I'd be the first one fired because like insubordination or whatever. Like I always had, I always felt like I had like a tax on my head and now I'm like, y'all can't get rid of me. What does that look like? We're right. What the, all I have to say is and where am I going to go? You're not getting rid of me. So now I just say whatever I want, do whatever I want. You know, and I let people know, like, here, here it is. Whereas before, I'd be like, okay, corporate, you know, tone it down, Brittany. And I'm like, I don't give two shits. That's so intense, especially because coming from an immigrant family, like the idea of being fired or laid off or something like that was just like the worst possible for the child of an immigrant to happen. And I did have something like that happen to me. And now that I'm on the other side of it, I'm just like, oh, I could just like not work for other people you know like it's it's not yeah it's like like, it's a struggle but you could just not have to suffer that you know and and so like between that what happened then and 2020 and the pandemic and all that kind of stuff um i'm gonna do my damnness to always do my own thing but if i have to go to somebody else for for you know money i think my my mindset now is just like i'm gonna be who i am and if i'm not the right fit let me go and pay my severance or pay my, you know, pay the lawsuit, whatever it is you got to do and just move on, you know, just, yeah, just move on because I'd rather, I'd rather die knowing I was there for myself, that mm-hmm. I stepped up for myself mm-hmm. than to, than to be just like, I, I let, I let my family down because I lost my corporate job where I was harassed all the time and, you know, talked down to condescended, you know, whatever whatever the things mm-hmm. um even even in the jobs that i kind of enjoyed there's oh, always yeah. been problems because i'm brown because i'm fat oh, yeah. because i'm queer you know all that kind of stuff always oh, always yeah. hit well i'm glad that we got a chance to talk i like i said i kind of before we started that i kind of like felt like i sort of knew you already because I've, I've heard you talk on other things and i've been following you for a while so thank you for coming here but before we wrap up i like to ask all of my uh, guests what they love most about being mixed oh it's a good question um I would say the different worlds I get to inhabit at the same time. Whereas I feel like like when I was a kid in the Bronx, no one would ever, like, they would always mix up Indiana and India. Like, oh, you went to India? No, 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 no. Right. Indiana. <laughs> what the hell is Indiana? Like, it's fine. Don't worry about it. It's like, it's porn. It's closer it's, than India, but. Yeah, it's like, wait, but, you know, but maybe it's, it feels like it's different. So <laughs> I think that's the best part is like, you know, I, I get to interact with so many different things on so many different levels that I don't think a lot of people get the luxury of doing right they don't they just kind of like to me it's like I love being mixed because it's 
it's duplicity it's mm-hmm. multiples where like that's more good so like i i don't i just always i've never felt ashamed of being mixed and i think that is largely due in part to where i'm from and that my parents were so individually like because they weren't mixed but they were so my mom still is like passionate about who they are and they like my i remember writing you know because in the first grade you have to like learn how to write your full name and then i remember like starting in the upper right hand corner and then having to go down because my name was so long (laughs) Because my parents refused, like they, they refused to give up their individual names. And that's why my name is hyphenated. And I, like I said, I got married. I didn't change my name. I just added my husband's name on because yeah. I'm so staunchly like, I'm These keeping all this. the things. These are know. all the things. So yeah. like, I think, you know, it's, it's very, like a lot of my mix in this show is just like on the outside, like just the names itself. Like people read my name, like, what the hell are you? Because it's, it's read loud and clear. On, because the Pogue is Gaelic, it's Irish language, and it means kiss. So if you ever want to say, uh, kiss my ass in Gaelic, it's Pogue Mahone. And <laughs> nice. so it's what a, it's a weird thing. So I think it's just the different worlds I get to inhabit, like as a luxury from, I don't have to do anything to do it. You know, it just, it's who I am, and it's innate to me. And I think that's like the best part. Um, and now being married and having a daughter, now I get to live in even more worlds because, you know, even though I'm not Puerto Rican by blood, I am through her. Right. So, you know, we, we embrace the culture and she, you know, she learned so much more about just where her, her father is from and everything. Um, so now she gets even more worlds that she gets to live inside. So. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm, I'm so glad that you're able to, to keep doing that, like to keep it all. This is our Puerto Rican stuff. This is our Trinidadian stuff. This is our Irish stuff. That's pretty dope. I, I appreciate yeah. that a lot. Yeah. Uh, why don't you tell everybody how to find you? Sure. So, yeah. so we have a website because we are online based um, business for now. Um, so it's mosaicthelabel.com. And then we're on like, you know, Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and all that. And it's at mosaic the label. And currently we are because everything is about the holidays now, like, you know, Halloween ends and now we're right yeah. to Christmas. Yeah. But I'm working on we are going to have a holiday launch and I'm going to look at my calendar. And I think uh, on November 18th, we're going to launch um, all new items that are they're not holiday items. They're just like our holiday launch. Sure. Um, but it's it's usually our biggest launch of the year. So we'll have a, a lot of new stuff um, in the in, in stock on November 18th what sizes age range like what uh, yeah. of the clothing that you have for so the- all of our clothing is gender neutral we don't create one side or the other or okay. or we're everything in between so nice. i don't i don't i don't decide like oh i'm a women's xyz i'm gonna wear this women's shirt so that that is one we are uh gender neutral when it comes to our clothing and then it depends on the item but some of our stuff goes from extra small to 3x and then kind of everywhere in between we do run for all adults and then we run for um, youth. So it's like youth, small, medium, large. And then we have a lot of toddlers, uh, toddler sizes, just because when I started creating my line, I created it with my daughter in mind and she was a toddler at that okay. point. So, um, yeah, and then we we run the gamut in um, apparel and then accessories and we're getting into uh, like homewares and it's just a lifestyle brand. So however you want to show your your mixedness, you can through any one of anyone any number of our items right 
That's great. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank it was you. really fun to chat. I hope we 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 keep in contact too yes. and chat up more. Uh, but I will share in the show notes the links to all the social media stuff. I don't think I knew about the Tickety Talk, so I'll add the Tickety Talk. I'll follow the Tickety Talk today. Uh, I'm trying there. That shit is hard. I'm trying. Man, Golly. I started one too, and I was like, I'm going to start doing little mixed topics all the time. Man, I don't know. And I, I like I talk on it. And I'm like, Brittany, you are annoying. Stop you feel talking. like an idiot, right? You like, feel like an idiot. I don't know how these people can just get on and be like, oh, my God, me today. I know. I know. And it's weird because like I this is what I do. I talk. Yeah, it's so for weird. my whole thing is that yeah, I talk. You but talk. then I get on TikTok and I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. You know, I feel like an idiot. It's so funny. I'm uh, trying like my new uh my new way this week is just to embrace my idiocy. idiocy. Like I feel like good. an idiot. So I'm just going to like. This is, this is stupid. At. Here we go. This is the land we're at. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for creating a company like Mosaic the Label to give a spot for mixed folks to have something that reflects them in any in any form or fashion. I think that stuff is so important. And even if we are from different cultures and different places of origin and all that other kind of stuff, we all relate on the being a multiple mm-hmm. thing, mm-hmm. a multiple whatever fill in the blank tag and i think that's so important i also really like the mosaic i I didn't ask you why you call it mosaic but i think mosaic is such a good Mm -hmm. name for my mom came up with it oh yeah 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 yeah. she's she's an english major and i like i had she wrote three pages of just the names and she would read them on the phone to me because she now is back in indiana should i have this and one day she said mosaic and i was like that is perfect the one because that is what we are and you're not different parts you're the part and our tagline is the parts make the whole yeah because you're all these things to get yes i love it militantly mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me charmaine fury music is by david bogan the one you can follow us on social media on twitter instagram and facebook at militantly mixed if you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantlymixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantlymixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.